Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. Well, a, a pastor, uh, kind of mentor of mine, who um, kind of taught me a lot in, in preaching, said that uh, one of the things about preaching through, through books of the Bible is that you will end up preaching things that you normally would not, not preach. You'll preach some of the more difficult topics that if you were just kind of picking and choosing what you were, were to preach, you would probably skip over. And uh, there is a lot of truth in that. And to be honest, this morning is, is one of, of those passages. We are uh, in uh, the book of, of Acts. And, and in fact, this morning we are going to be covering a lot of, of ground. And uh, interestingly, it is the, the warmest day we've had of the year, uh, both inside and out. Uh, but uh, we're not going to go uh, verse by, by verse. In fact, we're looking at the longest narrative in the entire book of of, of Acts, starting in Acts chapter 10, uh, going through the entire chapter of 10, uh, then half of chapter 11 as well. But it's not really the, the length of the passage that makes it difficult to, to preach. It is, it is the topic uh, that it, it addresses. And uh, we are going to be dealing with a little bit uh, the issue of prejudice and that of, of racism. And uh, because it is not just a new phenomenon or American thing, it has really gone back, even back to biblical, biblical times. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he uh, shares in his autobiography that when he was a student, he, he studied in, in England, and he, he got to reading the Bible, in particular the, the Gospels. He said he became captivated by, by the Gospels in, in, in Scripture. And, and so he was seriously considering becoming a convert to Christianity. He said, which seemed to offer a real solution to, to the caste system that had divided the, his country, the, the people of, of India. And one Sunday, he, though he attended a, a church service, and he decided that he was going to ask the minister for, for and, and the enlightenment on, on salvation and some of the other doctrines that he was reading about in, in the Gospels. But, but when Gandhi entered into the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat. And they suggested that, that he go elsewhere to, to worship with his own people. He left and he never came back. Gandhi said, said this, he said, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. And 
he in fact did remain a, a Hindu. Some of you here this morning can remember back to the days of, of segregation and the issues that, that surrounded that in the, the civil rights era. And praise God that we are no longer in that, that time. And the racism is still around, right? And prejudice still is around, although it's maybe not quite as, as out there and as, as in, in, in the front of, of people. And, uh, but it is a, a real issue uh, that pe- real people deal with. But most prejudice today, though, is more behind the scenes. Uh, and, and, and sadly, there is even prejudice within, within our churches. I mean, in fact, if you look at on a Sunday morning, some may argue that it is the most segregated time of, uh, of the week. Right? You've got people that, that gather at the African-American church. Now, it's not maybe not everybody is there, but we would say that's the, the black church. People gather at the white church. We've got people that may go to the, the rich church where everybody dresses up nice, or people go to the church, well, we call it the, the poor church. People go to the, the church where it's all older people, and people go to the, the younger person's church. We got people that go to the contemporary church with guitars and drums, and while other people go to the traditional church with only a piano or, or organ. And, and we find that many of our churches, that if you were to walk in those doors, that everybody looks the same likes the same things, talks the same way, and even often dresses the same. We're going to see that that's not necessarily a, a good thing. So we're going to see here that, though it's not an issue that we just now are addressing in 2019, but rather it is an issue that goes back to the very first church in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 10. So in this narrative, we, we see um, a couple of major characters, and one is the apostle Peter. We spend a lot of time looking at, at, at Peter, so I'm not going to go into too much detail in his background, but it is important to know that Peter is a Jew. Right? He has a Jewish heritage, but he was saved and he is a Jewish believer. And the gospel up until this point in, in the book of Acts is predominantly been given to the Jews. Right? And we think back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that to take the gospel to Jerusalem. So most of the effort was given in Jerusalem to share the gospel with those people there. But then it expanded into Judea, kind of the state, the region around that. Then into Samaria, the last several weeks we've been talking about the gospel going to Samaritans. Now, Samaritans were not necessarily Jews, but they weren't really Gentiles either. They were kind of half-breeds. They were both Jewish ancestry and Gentile ancestry. But now we see that the gospel is going to people that are, are not Jewish by, by birth. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal because the Jews... Um, really they thought of themselves as, as better uh, than the Gentiles. They were God's chosen, chosen people. But we know that the gospel was not given just to the Jews only, but also to, to the Gentiles. 
So the other character we have in, in, this, uh, in this narrative is a man named Cornelius. Now Cornelius lived in a town called Caesarea. Now it's important to know about this town is that the Jews hated Caesarea. Right? That's a harsh word, but it's a harsh reality. The Jews hated the city of Caesarea. And they, in fact, they called it the daughter of Edom because of the ungodliness that went on there. Now, Cornelius was a centurion, and he was a part of the Roman army. And in fact, he was given this title of centurion because he was an officer in the Roman army. And, and he... Uh, experts will say that he, he uh, was in charge of anywhere from 100 to 600 soldiers. And these soldiers, as being the, the leader of them, he would make five times the amount of money that an average soldier would make. So Cornelius was wealthy. He was, had great prominence and leadership in, in the Roman army. And because of those facts... He was even more hated by, by the Jews because Roman soldiers didn't have a, a great reputation because they were often involved in ex- extortion and, and the brutalization of, of the local population. But we see that Cornelius was a little different. He wasn't uh, maybe the typical uh, centurion or even the typical Gentile for, for, for the scripture says that he was a God-fearer. And he was extremely devout. And what it means by, by God-fear is that he was taken by the Jewish way. He followed the Jewish customs and, and, and had great respect for, for the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish faith. But he was not saved. And in fact, he was not delivered from his sins through faith in Jesus Christ. But... Cornelius was devout in his prayers and his giving alms to, to the poor. And because of the, his prayers and acts of charity, it prompted God's further revelation to him through the apostle Peter, which would lead to Cornelius' salvation and the salvation of his family. But at the same time, though, as, as Cornelius is having this vision of what would become, Peter is also having a vision in which God commanded him to to kill and to eat creatures that the Jews considered unclean. If we were to just go back a verse from chapter 10, finish up in chapter 9, verse 43, see that, and he, which is Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Now, we know from last week that Peter has just come off from healing the paralyzed man, Aeneas, and also bringing back to life Dorcas, or Tabitha. Uh, and through that, those people in Lydda and in Joppa became saved. But God told him to go stay with this man named Simon a Tanner. Now, we don't know a lot about this, this Simon here, but his occupation, a Tanner, is very telling, and I think it sets up very well how God prepared to change Peter's heart to share the gospel with not only Cornelius, but also the rest of the Gentiles that are there in Caesarea. For a tanner, worked with leather, and how they got that, or it was a leather maker, they got that from animal skin. Well, in the Jewish custom, it would be unclean to work with 
with dead animals. So much so that a Jew would not be in the presence of somebody who would be unclean. But Jesus, or but the scripture says that, that God told Peter to go and to stay in Joppa for many days, not just a brief period, with Simon a tanner. And then we come to this deal about Cornelius and his vision that God had presented. And look here at verses 11 through uh, chapter 10, verse, uh, verses 11 through, through 16. And so we see here that um, in his, uh, I'm sorry, we'll go back, that is, that is Peter's. Uh, and we see that, that Cornelius, that God said here in verse 4, that your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, in verse 5 here. So now he says, send men to Joppa to bring one Simon who is called Peter. And he's staying with Simon the Tanner. So God tells him that Peter is going to come. Not just that, that you need to go send for Peter, this Jew, this apostle, to come to you because of your, your faith in, in the Lord. And so, in fact, Cornelius does just that. He sends two of his servants and a trusted soldier to go to, to Peter, to Joppa, where he was staying. But before that, God gives Peter this vision. So let's look here at verse 11 through 16. So Peter saw the, the heavens opened up something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him. It says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And then the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So God was basically telling Peter to go against your, your custom. For he was a very well-learned um, Jew. Right? And in fact, he says that he has never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You know, some of us, we, after a period of time, we kind of get, get set in our ways, don't we? And, it, and it's hard for us to, to change. You know, maybe that's with, with the type of, of food you eat. I know some people, and I'm definitely a part of this crowd, but uh, we kind of like the same things, don't we? And our menu rotates around certain different items. And then if somebody were to say, well, let's bring in some type of new food into your, into your palate, you would say... No way, I'm not going to do that. Because I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And of course, it's interesting. How do you know what you don't like if you haven't tried it? And I don't know, I always say, well, I did try once upon a time and uh, I didn't like it back then, so why am I going to like it now? <laughs> but it was even more so with, with Peter and in particular with the Jewish people. Because this was going against their religion. Their closeness with God was by obeying God's laws and fulfilling that. But we, we know that, that also from especially the book of the, or the Old Testament is that, uh, that the, the Jews ended up adding all of these extra rules in order to their faith to prevent them from sinning against, against God. And, 
And so with, with Peter, it would, in his mind, it would be unclean. He would be going against God to eat an unclean animal, to go and to kill and to eat. In fact, Peter tells the Lord that. He says, I can't do that. But then God rebukes him, and he says a second time, don't call what God made clean, and don't call it common. See, God it says, Peter, you're, you're wrong here. And he had to change his mind through this, this vision. And in fact, he had to say it another time, three times, emphasizing the, the deeply held roots of this belief in, 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 Peter's, in Peter's mind. And so uh, Peter, I mean, he had walked with Christ and, and, he, and he was instrumental into the early spread of, of Christianity, but he was still operating under this list of rules that he carried over from Judaism. I didn't. And it would take this life-altering uh, vision to hear God say that these things he once called unclean were now clean. And so it took an act of God to change Peter's heart. For it was more than just eating unclean animals or going to kill an, an animal. Though it was, it was more have to do with his allegiance and his Heart, and he was preparing him to be able to go to the Gentiles. Look at verse 28 and, and 29 here. And so we see that Peter, uh, that uh, so the, uh, or, uh, the, that Cornelius's servants and his uh, and his soldier went to went to Peter and tells him to, to to come and to come to Joppa and to come see Cornelius. But when he, when he did that, so he, he said that, that Cornelius came to him. And when he came into his presence, he, he fell down on his face before Peter. All right, because of, one, his respect for the, the title that Peter had as an apostle of Christ. But in verse 28, Peter says that, or in verse 27, he says that, that he found the many persons here that were greeted. And, and so he tells him to stand up, for Peter's just a man. And then in 28, he said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Basically, Peter's saying, I'm a racist. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am not allowed to associate with anybody that is, that is not like me. But God told me, that I am to come to you, that I am not to call any person common or unclean. So in verse 29 it says, So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then, why you sent for me? Peter's like, God didn't really reveal everything to him. He didn't say exactly why he was to come to Cornelius. He just told him to go. And Peter, in faithfulness, went. But in verse 30, Cornelius said, he said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging by the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now what do we see here that 
the fact that God presented both Cornelius and Peter a vision, pretty much simultaneously gave a vision to, to both of them. And I think we see here that it is that it takes an act of God to break down sovereign and, and, and break down social, racial, economic barriers. I was reading a story this past week about a, a man who, in his early years, lived a, a rough life. Uh, that he, he got involved in, in drugs and he became a drug dealer. And uh, that led him to traveling out to Los Angeles. And when he was out in L.A., he got involved with a rough crowd and they began to, to rob stores and, to, uh, and, and businesses and homes. And they led a, a multi-state robbing spree. They, they traveled all the way down to Texas along the way, robbing places. And there he got caught and was arrested in Texas. He said, I remember the, and now he was sentenced to 17 years in prison uh, for his, his roles. He said, I remember when I first got to prison that a riot broke out. And he said, I was scared for my life. He said, I realized in that moment that I had to join an alliance. I had to, to pick a, a side. And, and he said, I ended up finding myself a part of a white supremacist gang. He said, in there, I ended up getting tattoos of a swastika and other white supremacy um, uh, symbols. And he said that uh, I associated myself with them. And he said, I remember this one night that I was, the gentleman in the cell next to me, he said, I know you've got a shank. He said, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, I said, I didn't have a shank. <laughs> he said, I didn't tell him that. And he said, I realized that I needed to get a shank to protect myself. He said, so he got one, however he, he got it. And, and he said that one night in particular, and he said, it wasn't supposed to happen, but both of the cell doors became unlocked. And he said, I came out of my cell. This guy came out of his cell. And I realized that I was going to have to take care of him. <laughs> And he said, so I went to attack him, and he said, thankfully, and he said, I truly believe that God was saving me. A guard was able to come in between the two of them. And he said, from that moment on, I was, because of my history of being with the white supremacist gang and this incident, that I was sentenced to solitary confinement. So they put me in, in solitary. He said, I was at a very rough place. He said, I realized that prison probably is one of the most segregated places in, in all of, uh, of the country, all of America, for people only associated with people like them. It, for them, it was a life or death. Uh, you didn't just go on your way. You know what, if somebody offended you, you took action, and many you tried to kill them. He said, but in solitary confinement, as painful and as difficult of a process that was, he said, I realized that God was, was looking out for me, even though I was not a believer. And he said in his time in, in solitary, he began, he was, had access to a radio. And he began to hear Christian radio. Through that, he heard a preacher get on there and preach and, and share the gospel. He said, through that, I, I gave my life to, to Jesus. I began to, to read the Bible, began to, to study it. He said, I was in solitary confinement for 10 years. He said, but I came out of solitary, changed man. 
And he said, you know, I began to, to look at the prison population. And he said, you had those, you know, that were Hispanics, the, the blacks stood together, the whites stood together. It was very racially segregated. But what was unique in that body was, was the Christians. He said, for the Christians, it was a racially diverse population. And he said, at first, it, never, it didn't really make sense to me why you had all these different people coming together. But he said, now as a follower of Christ, I realize it. That it's not the color of our skin or where we are from that unites us. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that unites us. So he began to, to join in the Bible studies and the worship services that they had. And after 17 years, he, he got out of prison. And he is a, a faithful follower of Christ, deeply involved in his church, has a beautiful family. And he came out a changed man, not necessarily because of the rehabilitation process of the, of the prison system in Texas, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see here in this passage that it took an act of God to bring Peter and Cornelius together. They would not normally cross paths. And so we see in the last part of Acts chapter 10 that, that Peter realizes why God brought him there. And it was to share the gospel with Cornelius and the other Gentiles there at, at, at Joppa. So Peter restates the truth that God had taught him. He preaches the gospel to him. And he emphasizes that it is Jesus that, that forgives people who believe in him. It's not because you were born into the, the Jewish faith. It is not by living by the Jewish rules and customs. No, it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus alone that forgives people. We see in verse, verse 44, it says, while Peter was still saying these things, the, the gospel, he said, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised had come with Peter. They were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them, speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, said, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. The Spirit came among the hearers. And they believed and they were baptized. We see that the gospel broke down the racial barriers between the Jews and, and the Gentiles. And it'd be nice to say that, well, the story ends there and everything was all hunky-dory and everybody just uh, joined in together and sang kumbaya and they all fellowshiped with one another. But that's not the case. For in, in chapter 11, we see that word gets out that Peter's over there sharing the gospel with these Gentiles and, and the Jewish believers didn't like that. Verse 2, that. We read that it says, So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, the Jewish believers, uh, they were criticizing him, saying, He went to uncircumcised men, the Gentiles, and ate with them. Hey, why are you associating with these Gentiles? But Peter defended his actions. 
And the Spirit had come on the Gentiles as he had on the Jewish Christians. So Peter says, how in the world could uh, he impede God's work? Now, in spirit and in, in, in their mind and in the reality, the, the Jews realized that the gospel had come for all people. Jesus taught that, but, but knowing it and actually doing it were two different, two, two different things. And so at this point, the lesson for Peter and that for the circumcision party was that the religious food laws were not to prevent, pe- prevent believers from reaching out to the Gentiles with the gospel. Because in, in God's kingdom, people are more important than religious regulations. And all people matter to God. You know, it's, sometimes we're not all that different than the Judaizers or the, the Jewish Christians. We believe the gospel. Right? And we believe that the gospel is for, for all people. But sometimes we, we, we treat our, our customs and, and the methods and the ways that we do things that, that we add extra requirements to, to the gospel. Now we would say that no, it's not an issue of being saved, but in order to be a part of our church, you need to, you know what, you need to, to dress up. You know what, you need to, to dress like us or you know what, you need to, to talk like us. Or, you know what, you're not a part of the right family, so yes, you can come and be a part of the church, but don't speak up in the business meeting because you haven't earned your right yet to, to, to make any decision in, in this church. And sadly, sometimes we can put so much faith in our customs that we can offend people. And uh, it's been said that the gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive, and it should offend someone. But we ourselves should not be offensive. From Peter's actions here, we, we can learn two important implications for our lives. And one is that our convictions are the motivating factors behind our actions. Our convictions are the motivating factors behind our actions. Do we truly believe that, that the gospel is for, for all people? If we do, then we are going to go out and to share the gospel with all people. And I think we do a great job in that, especially with supporting missionaries who have gone to the furthest parts of, of the world to share the gospel. But sometimes it's easier to, to, share the go- or to, to send money to, 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 to pay for missionaries to go than it is for us to actually walk across the street and to share the gospel with our neighbor. Maybe you've had a feud with that neighbor. Maybe they've done something you don't like. Maybe they blow their grass clippings on your driveway and it really makes you upset. Or maybe they play their music real loud. You know know what, I'm done with them. I would never go over there and speak a word to them. Well, our convictions are the motivating factors behind our actions. And two... We play a vital role in God's mission to take the gospel to the nations. We play a vital role. Part of that is through our, our giving so that we can send missionaries, but also it's part of it is, is going. All right, we are to, to go. We are to go wherever God, God leads. For some of you, that may mean that you need to, to go on a, on a uh, short-term mission trip to another country. I can tell you that it is the most eye-opening experience 
that you can have. Because most of the time, our, our prejudices, and if we're honest with ourselves, we all have certain prejudices. The thing about being prejudiced is that oftentimes we're blinded by it, and it takes somebody else to, to open our eyes to the fact that we do discriminate. Other times it is because of, of fear that we don't go. I remember, you know, I, in 9-11, September 11th, I was a freshman in college, and I remember just, uh, that, uh, those attacks and the, the fear that, that went across our, our nation and how that uh, our, in our minds that the, the, the uh, Islam, the religion of Islam, was attacking us as, as Americans, those that are, are Christians. And in part, that is, that is, is true. But I remember when I went to, to Malaysia, which is a, a Muslim country, to be honest, I had never really any personal interaction with any Muslim people before. But it was there in Malaysia. I, I remember getting off of the airplane in Malaysia and seeing people that are dressed in, in, in burqas. I mean, I've seen, you know, sometimes ladies with the hijab, their head, hair covered and that kind of thing. But a burqa is the black they were, it's their ladies are covered from head to toe with black. Sometimes they'll have a slit to where you can see their eyes. Other times they have a veil over that so they can see out, but you can't see them. And I'm like, whoa, this is, I'm not in, I'm not in America anymore now. And then we get in the car and I begin to see mosque after mosque after mosque. And then when the prayer time came, you could hear the prayers on these loudspeakers so much that pretty much the whole city was encapsulated by these, these loud speakers and prayers. Like, wow, this is, I'll be honest, it was a little, little scary. But then I remember the first time that I actually spoke with, with a Muslim. And uh, in fact, I was sharing my testimony with him through, through a translator. And I've, I've shared that, uh, how he, he said that, oh, wow, Adam, you're a better Muslim than I am. I was like, well, that's not really the message I'm trying to convey to you. But then the missionary said, he said, look, you're probably the first Christian this guy has ever had any interaction with. And that really hit home with me. That, that here, this, this guy is, yes, for he, he was raised in a Muslim country. He was raised in a faith that is very different than, than mine. But apart from somebody sharing the gospel with him, and he repenting and believing and putting his faith in it, he is going to spend eternity in hell. And this is a guy that didn't seek to, to harm any Americans. In fact, they <laughs> provided, he didn't have any money, but they went out and whatever money they had bought all of these food and drinks because that is their custom to, to be hospitable to us. Here I am afraid of, of him and he was just trying to make it in life to provide a way for his, his family to be able to, to live. Sometimes our prejudice is because we just don't spend time with people that are different than us. And I think we need to become more diverse in that, that we get to know people that maybe their political beliefs might be a little different than ours or their, uh, their economic status is different than ours or their race is different than ours or ethnicity is different than ours because we play a vital role in God's mission to take the gospel to the nations. So some principles in this is that we can show no hesitation to befriending people like a, unlike us. You know, I said that oftentimes we, we discriminate in who we take the gospel to. And we believe that the gospel is for everybody, but in our hearts, well, it is, but we'll let somebody else tell them because I'm too uncomfortable to share the gospel with that person. We should show no hesitation 
Secondly, we should show hospitality towards everyone. Opening our homes and lives to them. When was the last time that you, you had somebody that was not a part of your, your group, your friend circle in your home to have a meal with them? Or when was the last time you, you asked that, that co-worker that, you know what, he's just very different than me, to out to lunch. So they just talk to get to know, know them. Thirdly, we can show humility before all people, regardless of their skin color or their annual income, living in the understanding that we are all made in God's image. You see, the Cornelius had great humility. Right? In the, I mean, in the, the, the world that they lived in, Cornelius was higher than Peter. All right? he, was, he was an officer in the Roman army. He was a centurion. Peter was a Jew. But we see Cornelius fell flat on his face before Peter. And he humbly heard the gospel and responded to it. We should, too, approach life with humility, realizing that, that we are one of God's children and apart from somebody else sharing the gospel with us, we would still be condemned in our sins. You know, I mean, if we're... If we do not believe that the gospel is inclusive, if we're not optimistic about what it will do, if we are not a little aggressive in sharing it, then people will not come to Christ. We must put ourselves out there on a limb to to share the gospel, especially with those that are are different than than us. See, the gospel, it, it never changes. But, but we can become unchangeable. All right, we're, we're willing to not to do things maybe a little different. We can become inflexible. And thus, we become unusable. And I don't think anybody here this morning wants to be unusable. So some questions I just want to, to, to leave you with as we, as we close this morning is, what are our attitudes toward others? How do you, do you feel about other people? They like it's called the, the holy huddle. Do we like the way our church is so much that if somebody else were to come in, we would feel like that's disrupting us? Or are we willing to adapt, maybe change some things that we do in order to be able to, that other people may come to Christ? Do you find your attitude as exclusive, as pessimistic, or passive? Maybe it's somebody else's job to, to do. Or are you concerned? and hopeful, and actively loving others. See, we ourselves need to regularly consider Peter's vision and its meaning and its implications for us today. Would you pray with me, please? To gracious Lord, thank you for your word. God, even those that are difficult, those words that that challenge us and convict us, I pray, God, that we would never leave unchanged by your word. God, we're thankful that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it is for all people. For if that were the case, then we would still be dead in our sins. God, because of your love for us in sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, we can be saved. We approach you with the utmost humility. 
God, I pray that we would live our lives with that humility, recognizing who you are and also the tasks that you have called each one of us to do. God, I pray that that we would not become exclusive and pessimistic and passive in our faith, realizing that, you know, yes, we want people to come to faith in Christ, and, and we want even our churches to grow, but, but we only want the, the right kind of people, or we want somebody else to do the work. Now to pray for those of us that are in Christ, that each one of us would see that we have a role to play, and that the gospel breaks down barriers. That it is through the blood of Christ that we are able to, to go across that street and to, to talk to that neighbor that's very different than us or to, to go into another part of town and to, to show love to that person or even to go across the world and to, to share the gospel even maybe even in a dangerous place. God, for it is the gospel that breaks down barriers. I pray for our church. God, that we would actively love others. God, that we would be concerned for others, their physical well-being, but also for their, their spiritual well-being. And God, that we would be hopeful that your word never returns void. And God, that even as the, we persist in sharing the gospel, whether that through be through personal evangelism or through events that we do that we would keep on doing the work that you have called us to do it's in jesus name we pray amen god is inviting you to be a part of this story he is writing throughout the ages to come he is offering salvation to you today which is your invitation to the rescue god offers you can embrace the rescue of god by simply admitting your need to god asking him to forgive you trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.